Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. It is great to be here this morning, and uh, even though I uh, haven't been down to Ormo too much, I do feel somewhat a part of the Ormo family, and uh, it is great to be here. I see uh, a number of familiar faces, and I particularly uh, love hanging out. I've hung out with Ormo youth a number of times, and the young adults at Ormo too, uh, some of my favourite people. We uh, were blessed to uh, be on our young adults retreat together, and they, uh, as a community, as a group of young adults from Ormo, bless our Mackenzie uh, young adult community so much. So... It is great to be here. And uh, as Andrew said, the last couple of weeks we've been in this series uh, going through the story of Joseph, looking at how in the midst of some really messy circumstances, Joseph continues to remain steadfast to God and God continues to be faithful to his promises. And this morning we're just going to jump straight in to the text that we're going to look at because I could try and set the scene that we're about to jump into, but when you find out what the scene is, you'll realise why. I'm just going to jump straight in and read it. So if you've got your Bibles there, if you want to turn to Genesis 39, or it's going to come up on the screen behind me as well. Starting at verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. And with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. And one day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has, brought to us, has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. 
Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And when his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. It's a pretty interesting episode in the soap drama that is Joseph's life. And there's a lot happening in this story. And we see at the beginning, there is blessing and favour for Joseph. And as a result for Joseph, it's also in Potiphar's house. But then there's seduction and temptation. And we finish with betrayal and uh, an accusation. And in this roller coaster ride of emotions and experiences, we also see that despite the ups and downs, Joseph continues to walk with integrity. And as we look to this part of Joseph's life, you might actually be able to find some of yourself and your story in Joseph's story. And although there are many avenues we could go down and could unpack this morning, we're going to focus on this idea of temptation. Because if you haven't realised yet, we live in a world that is full of temptation. We are surrounded by things that are crying out to us. Choose me. Pick me. Let me satisfy you. And when we're faced with temptation, it's not our great intentions that make a decision for us. It is in fact our strongest desires that directly affect the decisions that we make. And we see this in uh, this specific moment for Joseph and it can happen like that for us as well. But so often it's not as blaringly obvious as it is in this moment for Joseph. We may find ourselves thinking what at first is just a really minor decision, but after making One small choice again and again. Each of those decisions can lead us to a place that we never intended to go. And maybe that's your story. You're sitting here this morning thinking to yourself, I don't know how I got here. I had every intention to put my family first, but as I sit here this morning, my my marriage is flailing, My family feels broken. I don't know how I got here. I really wanted to be a great employee, but it's just become so easy to cut corners. I don't know how I got here. I had every intention to stop looking at those images online, but it's become just a part of what I do. I don't know how I got here. I wanted to honour God in my dating relationships, but I know I've gone too far. I wanted this year to be different, but I just find myself stuck in the same cycle 
of giving in to things over and over again. And whether it's a one-time decision or a series of small decisions, we know that there is temptation standing in front of us, calling out to us, pick me, choose me, let me try and get you what you get you what you want. And our strongest desires directly affect the decisions that we make in that moment. And while we may have great intentions, our great intentions don't stand a chance against our strongest desires. And while this happens on the deepest level within us, it's probably easier for me to talk, first talk about this on a much shallower level, okay? So we've gone a bit deep, we're coming back out to a bit more of a shallow level. Every time I go to Coles, whether I'm ducking in to do my uh, big family grocery shop or just to grab a couple of things, there is a $1 chocolate bar that sits at the self-serve checkout screaming my name. It says, choose me, pick me, let me satisfy that desire that you have in you right now. And I know that my strongest desire affects the decision that I make in that moment because my desire for chocolate is stronger than my desire to be healthy. And so across the scanning pad, my $1 chocolate goes and into my belly. We can have great intentions. We want to stay fit. We want to get a good amount of sleep each night. We want to spend more time with God. We want to be a person who is honest and full of integrity. We want to prioritise our closest relationships. We want to be hardworking employees. But when we're faced with a decision, whether it's big or small, our great intention doesn't stand a chance against our strong desires. And especially when we're so familiar and we live in a culture of instant gratification, because it says that if you want it, if you desire it, then you should be able to get it. You deserve it and you deserve to get it now. And we see this kind of thinking in Potiphar's wife. When, she, when it says in verse 6 of this passage, it says, Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. She sees this well built, handsome Joseph and essentially says to him, I want you and I want you now. And as we continue to unpack some of these verses in Genesis 39, my prayer for us this morning is that whether you're looking at your life right now and thinking, I don't know how I got here. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning knowing that you're in a good place now, but as you look to your past, you're wondering how on earth could God ever use me with the past that I have? And I believe God wants to encourage us this morning that despite the choices we make in our life, God in His sovereignty continues to bring His plans and His promises to fruition. But I also believe there's a challenge in us for in this, in, a challenge in this for us as well. Because if you've decided to follow Jesus, then our strongest desires are not what they used to be. 
And Paul writes a number of times about this in his letters to the churches. And in one of those letters, the letter to the church at Ephesus, he writes this. He says, Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, if we have decided to follow Jesus, our desires should be different. Our desire for God and living His way should be greater than our own deceitful desires. And we see Joseph live this out in this moment that's captured in verse 9. Joseph responds to Potiphar's wife saying this, How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And what I find fascinating about this interaction is that in ancient Egypt, it's thought that there was actually a very low moral expectation on even a married woman. And it was assumed that they would have sex outside of their marriage relationship. And so this makes Joseph's refusal even more phenomenal because although Culturally, this may have been appropriate and acceptable. Joseph doesn't focus on what's culturally appropriate. He doesn't focus on what feels good to him in that moment. His first thought is, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? His first thought is not about himself. It's not about what he wants. It's not about what he thinks he deserves. It's not about what he thinks is culturally acceptable in that moment. His first thought is, does this honour God? And I want to ask you this morning, when you're faced with temptation, when there is that thing standing in front of you, saying, choose me, pick me, let me satisfy you. What is your first thought? I know for me, my first thought is usually all about me. You know, what do I need? What do I want? What do I think I deserve in that moment? But when we decide to follow Jesus, our first thought has to change. It's no longer what about what I need or what I deserve. Our first thought should be what will honour God. But if you follow Jesus for any amount of time, you know it's just not that easy. Your desires have a mind of their own. They don't care about what you should be doing. They just want what they want. And even our God-given desires are hard to keep under control. And Paul, again, writes about this in Romans 7. And he says, Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. See, we live in a fallen world. And since that moment in the Garden of Eden when the devil tempted Eve and she listened to that voice, there is a voice inside of us telling us that every desire that we have is good and every desire we have is to be pursued. 
But as followers of Jesus, we've said, I don't want to live a life that just gratifies the desires of my flesh. I want to live a life that honours God. But because this is not as easy as it sounds, we as followers of Jesus need constant encouragement and constant reminders to ask this question. Are my choices, are my decisions honouring God? And as we look to this small part of Joseph's story this morning, we're going to find four really practical tips from Joseph's lived experience that can help us make God-honouring decisions when we're standing in the face of temptation. And so we're just going to get really practical for the next couple of minutes. And the first tip that we can find comes from verse 10. It says this, And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. And although Joseph refused to go to bed with Potiphar's wife, for him, that was the thing that was off limits. That was like the edge. I don't want to, I don't want to go over that edge. That's where the line was. We read here that he did something more than just not go to bed with her. It says he didn't even want to be around her. And when it comes to temptation in our lives, there is usually a line that we have already decided we don't want to cross. And often we think that if I just don't cross that line, then I'm going to be fine. But if having kids has taught me anything, it is in our human nature to want to push the boundaries. And so what we need to do is actually set our boundaries further away from the edge than they need to be. Because if they're right on the edge, you are just one step away of living the life you never intended to live. But if they are further away, you're at least a few steps away, and you can actually start to think and make a decision, do I want to honour God in this situation? And so what does this look like for us in our everyday? Maybe in business, your line, the kind of edge for you is, I don't want to lie to get ahead. And so you might decide that your boundary is that even in the small things, even in the small decisions, truth really matters. Or in our relationships. You know, I don't want to be the person that is known as the gossip. That could be the edge for you. But if you want to set your boundary a bit further back, you might need to decide that you know, if someone tells you something, whether it's big or small, you're a vault. You know, if someone says something to you, you're not going to be the type of person that passes it on to anyone. What about in our marriages? I'm assuming your line is, I don't want to cheat on my spouse. That would be the natural edge. But if you just set it at that point, you're only one choice away from living a life you never intended to live. And so you need to put boundaries in place that are further back and it might be something practical like, yeah, I'm just not going to text someone of the opposite sex after a certain time at night. We need to identify, firstly, the thing that tempts us and then work out where the edge is and make sure our boundaries are further back from the edge than they need to be. That's the first tip. And the next Three tips come from the next two verses. One day, 
This is verse 11. He went out into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the, ran out of the house. See, Joseph went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants were inside. And so tip number two is avoid being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, we don't exactly know what happened in this situation for Joseph, whether he knew that no one was inside the house or not. But because no one was in the house, the story doesn't go the way Joseph intended it would go. And so if we are aware of our surrounding, we can try to avoid being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because there are certain times and places that make temptation even more tempting. Simple things like avoiding going to the shops, the grocery shops, when you're hungry. I have so much more food in my trolley if I go to the shops and I'm hungry. Avoid working late in the office when only you and your really hot co-worker are working late. Avoid scrolling or searching on your phone late at night when you're feeling lonely. And as uh, my young adult's pastor said to me, he's otherwise known as Jason Ellsmore, uh, if you're in a car late at night with your boyfriend or girlfriend, just get out of the flipping car because nothing good happens in a car after midnight. That was like, not a direct quote, but pretty much. You need to identify what time and place makes your temptation even more tempting. Work it out and then avoid being in that place with that thing or that person at that time. Thirdly, third practical tip, and it doesn't directly say it in these verses, but what we can deduce from this account is that if there had been witnesses to this interaction between Joseph and Potiphar's wife, the story may have ended a little differently. And so the third tip is that witnesses are important. And there's a couple of angles to this. See, when you're feeling weak, sometimes it's the strength of others that can help you. And I know for me, I rarely succumb to my chocolate temptation when Tim, my husband, is with me because he holds me accountable. If I've said to him, you know, a couple of weeks before, I really need to eat less chocolate. And then I go to Coles and he's with me and I grab the chocolate off the shelf and scan it. He will always say to me, didn't you say you wanted to eat less chocolate? And then I'm like, why did I bring you to the shops? <laughs> but it's the great thing about accountability. Make sure you have someone in your life that you can be honest with. So that when you're weak, when your defences are down, they can remind you of the life you intend to live. And the second kind of angle we can go with this is that there are some things that we do in private that we just wouldn't do if other people were around. And if you're thinking to yourself, I really hope no one ever finds out about this part of my life. And that's a red flag, suggesting that you probably need to bring that to the light and actually walk the journey with someone, 
helping them keep you accountable. Because witnesses are important when we're living this life Jesus asks us to. So identify someone in your life that can keep you accountable. Find that person and be honest with them about the temptation that you have and ask them to keep you accountable. And the fourth tip comes at the end of this verse that we've read when it says that Joseph left his cloak and ran out of the house. See, if you can, flee from temptation. When Joseph saw what was about to happen, he fled and ran. And if we don't turn and run in certain situations, our tendency will be to linger. And when we linger in a space where temptation is screaming at you, pick me, choose me, let me satisfy you, your good intentions will most likely be overshadowed by your strongest desires. And because we live in a fallen world, our strongest desires are sometimes not reflective of the life we want to live. And so the fourth tip is just run. Sometimes you need to just get out of that place. You might need to, as Jason says, get out of the flipping car, turn off the computer, switch of your phone, get out of the office, get out of that conversation. If temptation is staring you at, staring you, staring at you in the face, you guys get what I mean, you might just need to run. So four really practical things. Set your boundaries further away from the edge than they need to be. Avoid being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Remember, witnesses are important. And if you can, flee from temptation. So now that's, that's the practical part done. But now we're in for a dose of reality. Because even though Joseph had good boundaries and he fled from temptation, he was still in the wrong place at the wrong time with no one to vouch for him. And he is caught up in these accusations and he is put in prison. And so even if in the face of temptation, your desire to honour God outweighs the desires of your flesh, good news people, things might still not work out for you. But what does Joseph do when things go belly up? Does he throw in the towel and say, well, stuff that. I'm not going to try or bother trying to live a life that honours God. Or does he say, you know, next time I'm just going to live the way that's culturally acceptable. No, he doesn't. Even in the midst of serving his punishment for an act that he didn't commit, Joseph still chooses to live a life that honours God. And this actually points us to the life of Jesus, who also received a punishment that he didn't deserve for a crime he didn't commit. In Matthew 26, we read of his own struggle with the desires of his flesh, starting at verse 39. He, being Jesus, fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible... May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray 
so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. See, Jesus knows the struggle all too well. He knows that the spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. He experienced for himself. He saw it in his disciples and he sees the struggle we have as well. And he had to deny his own wants, his own desires and say, not my will, God, but yours be done. And when temptation stands before us, whether it's one big decision or a series of small decisions, the question before us as followers of Jesus is our desire to honour God stronger than our desires of our flesh. And I just want to read some more of the passage I read earlier from Romans, but uh, this time I'm going to read it from the message version because I think it just articulates the struggle that probably all of us feel. And it says this, I realise I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? And the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and my mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. These words resonate with this inner struggle that we all face. And so often we think the focus is on whether we have what it takes to fight temptation. But what I love about the stories of the people we read about in Scripture is that there's those who walk a life that honour God, but there are also those who, despite their best intentions, actually give in to the desires of their flesh. And there's another story in the Old Testament, the story of David, when he was in a similar situation to Joseph and he didn't say, I wanna honour God and he chose to act on the desire of his flesh. But what is constant is that God continues to fulfil his promise. John Walton in his commentary on Genesis says that although we might think the focus of Genesis 39 is Joseph's ability to live an honourable life despite that all that is, with thro that is thrown at him 
quote, the narrative of Genesis 39 fits in the larger scheme portraying how God in His sovereignty brings His plans to fruition through what appear to be the most devastating of circumstances. See, we all struggle with temptation. We are tempted to give in to the desires of our flesh instead of living God-honouring lives. But the resolution of that story is that there is a light at the end of that tunnel. And that light is Jesus. And through His death and resurrection, Jesus has acted to set things right. And I know in a room this size, we have a whole bunch of different stories. Probably times when we've given in to the desires of our flesh. Times when even despite our best intentions, we just found ourselves in a place we never thought we'd be. And you might be there this morning, you might feel stuck in a place you didn't want to be. And we might wonder how God could use someone with a past like mine. You might even this morning be actually standing in the midst of temptation. There's actually something in your life right now that's saying, choose me, pick me, let me satisfy you. And I believe God wants to lift our eyes off our circumstances this morning and lift our eyes onto Him, the One who is faithful, the One who fulfills His promises. And He wants to remind us that no matter the choices that we've made in the past or the struggle we have in the future, He desperately wants us to walk with Him each and every day. And although the flesh is weak, remember, the Spirit is willing. So stay close to Him. Remind yourself of the promises that He's made to you. Fix your eyes on the One who is faithful. And as you keep walking with Him day in and day out, it will be easier to when faced with temptation, make a choice that doesn't just satisfy the desires of your flesh, but seeks to honour God. Because the more you walk with Jesus each and every day, you'll find that you don't want to satisfy the desires of your flesh, but you'll find that your desire will be to honour God. Why don't you pray with me this morning? God, we are so thankful that You are faithful to us. God, we thank You that in the midst of our messy lives, Jesus, You have come to set things right. And I know this morning we all sit with different stories. And I actually invite you right now, I reckon you know within the deepest part of you that temptation that just sits there saying, choose me, pick me, let me satisfy you. I just want you to take that thing right now in your mind's eye and just say, God, my flesh is weak. I need your spirit to help me. 
And God, we are so thankful that by Your Spirit, You are here with us right now. And we pray, God, that in the midst of the struggles that we face, God, when we do feel weak, we would be aware of Your Spirit at work within us. That it will be Your Spirit that reminds us, God, of that first question. Is this going to honour You? And God, in the midst of the temptation that we stand in front of, Lord, I pray that You would help us stop and think about the choice that we make. And God, may our desire to honour You be greater than the desires of our flesh. And God, we know that we will always sit in this tension. And God, we pray that as we continue to walk with You each and every day, as we continue to know more of who You are, God, as we continue to just spend time in Your Word and spend time praying, God, we would find our hearts changed. God, where we would no longer want to give in to the desires of our flesh, but God, our first and only desire would be to honour You in everything that we do. And so God, we cannot do this by ourselves and we ask that by Your Spirit, You would come and fill us afresh this morning. And God, we just want to thank You that despite the circumstances we find ourselves in, You, God, continue to be faithful. You, God, continue to be constant and unchanging. We are so grateful for the person that You are. God, we are so grateful for Your presence that is with us no matter where we go. And so God, we just want to praise You and worship You this morning because You are so good. We love You and we worship You. And together we say, Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning and we're just going to finish off by praising God and declaring His faithfulness to us. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au. 